Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rain, the power of you, a podcast about becoming the leader of your life and truly succeeding on your terms. I'm your host, Sharon Bakir. You might know me on Instagram as The Empowerist. Listening here will give you everything I've learned in 10 years of leadership coaching, as well as myself having survived death, trauma, and recovery to thrive once again. I've created this podcast for people just like you who are on the brink of transformation and ready to live powerfully in every part of your life. Every episode focuses on life fulfillment, self-esteem, and deep growth. We give you the tools, strategies, and techniques to apply so that you can live your most powerful life. Plus, we regularly feature humans who are serious badasses to keep you inspired. I love hearing from my community, so wherever you're listening from, drop me a photo or screenshot on Instagram and remember to say hi with a tag. Let's get started. Today, I'm actually going to veer away from the usual conversation we have around sense of self. And I'm actually going to talk about some really practical tips that anybody in work or business, whether you own your own business or whether you work in corporate, some really practical tips that you can use in your communication skills to up your game. Now, why do I say this? Because I've been teaching corporate communications and communications in business for a very, very long time, for about a decade to be exact. And my background is in linguistics and sociolinguistics in particular, where I studied and really got passionate about how people communicate with each other. And one of the biggest things I've realized is that whilst we all learn English in school and whilst we all learn how to write and speak in school, we never really learned how to communicate. And this has become really clear to me the more that I do coaching in these topics. Today, we're going to cover off four major things you can do in the way you communicate at work that will transform the way people react and respond to you, that will elevate your game and help you get noticed and be recognized as a fantastic communicator. The first tip I'm going to give you today is make it easy for people to respond to you. This sounds really simple in theory, but in action, it is really hard to remember to implement. What do I mean by make it easy for people to respond to you? Well, the first thing is don't write emails that take longer than two minutes for someone to read. There is no one in the world who says, I wish I received more emails every day, right? And most people don't really have more than two minutes to attend to an email. So for every email that you send, make sure it takes under two minutes to read. The second thing is every time you communicate with someone, make it easy for them to give you a yes, no answer. Give them some options and solutions before you speak or write to them so that they can respond with, I want to choose just that option. Or maybe they'll respond with, none of those options work for me, but at least you get to an outcome quicker. When looking to book a meeting in with someone or a time in with someone, give them all your availability up front so they can just pick from the list. These are just some simple, practical ways that you can make it easy for people to respond to you. But I guarantee that number one, this is a really essential skill in business. It will start making people recognize you as someone who is easy to work with because they have felt the ease of working with you in making your communications so much more efficient and simple. Now, the next tip I want to give you that will really up-level the way you communicate is to learn your diplomacy statements. Now, these are statements that I tell everyone I teach communication skills to have in their toolkit, to practice, to say out loud, to write them in your emails, and really, really start employing them and deploying them. Think of them as your tools in a toolkit, like your screwdriver, your hammer. They are statements and sentences that can gracefully let someone down without necessarily letting them down too emotionally. An example is, instead of saying, no, I can't do that, learn to say, that will not be possible. That will not be possible indicates positivity. 
It indicates a sense that you tried hard, and it indicates a sense of finality. That will not be possible, says there is no more to argue about. No, I can't do that, is a sentence that makes people go, but why? That will not be possible. That's a game-changing statement that I like to teach in all my communications workshops. A second diplomacy statement is, I don't really have capacity for that. Now, saying that rather than I can't do that, or I don't want to do that, or I don't have time for that, seems a lot less willful. When we say I can't do that, I don't want to do that, I don't have time to do that, it makes people think we are difficult to work with, even if we're not. Even if we're not difficult to work with, it gives people that impression and that idea. Saying I don't have the capacity for that indicates it's kind of out of your hands and it depersonalizes the idea that you can't or don't want to do something. It takes away the willful nature of you not wanting to do something because it really translates into, I wish I could. I don't have capacity is like saying, I wish I could. I just really don't have it in me to do it right now. A third diplomacy statement is when you can't do something because the time frame is simply too tight or a deadline can't be met. We say that time frame is too tight for us to really showcase great work. The quality of my work is going to suffer with a time frame that tight. I wish I could do it in that time frame, but I must say that I'm not going to be able to give you my best work if I do. Instead of saying I can't do it in that time frame or that time frame is just unreasonable, saying I'm not going to be able to give you my best quality work sets up a situation where the recipient of the message feels like they have a choice. They feel like they have a choice to say to you, don't worry if the quality isn't good, just get it done because the deadline is important. Or they say, you know what, you're right, I want you to do a good job, so let's extend the deadline a little bit. When you give someone choice, that's diplomatic. When you say, I just can't do that, it makes you look difficult to work with. These diplomatic statements, all three of them, are just three out of about 15 statements that I often talk to people about when I do communications coaching, both in-house as well as to the public. They are really good statements to pull out when you want to let someone down, but you don't want the psychological turmoil of drawing a firm boundary and making someone else feel bad or lousy. Now, the third very, very simple communications tip is this. Every time we communicate with someone, make sure that we answer the question that our audience or our reader is asking, which is, what's in this for me? Why should I care about this? If we answer that question upfront and early in our communication, that person or our audience or the reader is more likely to continue with a heart that is open to the information that you want to give them. If we do not answer that question first, then the person might be sitting there listening to us, but actually asking themselves internally the whole time, what's in this for me? Why should I care? Now, first of all, as someone who sits in audiences and reads, as all of you do, I know that when somebody sends me something or someone is talking at me and I don't understand what the relevance is to me, it makes me feel like it's a time waster. Now, whether or not that's true is up to you, right? It may not be a time waster at all, but I do know that my engagement is switched off when I do not see the point or the relevance of what someone's trying to tell me. In any kind of debate, you are going to get a much better outcome of having the other person comprehend what you're saying if you answer that question too, what's in it for them? If you answer that question succinctly and gracefully for them right at the beginning of the debate or right at the beginning of you putting your point across, that person is more likely to take it on and actually understand it and accept it. This is a big one. If you start every email that you write with, this is why I'm writing to you and this is why you should care. Now, not in those exact words, obviously, but if you start with an intention statement or you give some context the person reading your email is more likely to read it to the end. If we start every presentation 
with answering for the audience, why should you care about this topic? They are much more likely to stay engaged throughout our presentation. If we enter an argument or some kind of debate with someone, they are much more likely to understand why we are arguing about something and give us a really thoughtful argument and a thoughtful debate if we start with, this is why we should care about this. And that's why we should engage meaningfully with this topic. Now, the fourth big communications tip is not actually a communications tip at all. It is more a personal leadership tip. And if we all engage with the places we work with a sense of personal leadership, we're all going to get a lot further in our career and we're going to be regarded as people who care about our career a lot more. The last tip is simply to be a culture caretaker and to make sure that that culture caretaking is represented in all our communications. An example would be, if I'm a warm and fun person to have in the office or in the workplace, I have to make sure that all my communications indicate that I am a warm, friendly, fun person. Another example of this is that if I've done a piece of work that benefits everyone, I let everyone know casually that it's been done, therefore taking the load off them so that no one has to sit there wondering if it's been done and who's going to take up the slack. If someone's done a great job, and I want to be seen as a nurturing and encouraging person, I make sure to verbalize it and make sure it comes across in my communication. If I value someone and I value their work, I make sure that it is communicated explicitly or implicitly. When we nurture the culture of the place we work at in this way, through our communications, we become a leader, whether or not we have the title. And more often than not, in the decade that I've been doing this work, I know for a fact that the people who become leaders, the people who become regarded as leaders, the people who become regarded as indispensable in a workplace, and the people who become regarded as highly respected are the ones who are the culture caretakers. But they're not just looking after everyone. They're also communicating that cultural care that they have so that everyone sees it, respects it, and really appreciates it. I hope you liked today's four little tips just remember what they are. Number one, make it easy for people to respond to you. Number two, learn diplomacy statements and deploy them and employ them in difficult situations. Number three, make sure that every communication you have answers the question for your audience, what's in it for them? And the last one is to be a culture caretaker and make sure that is represented across all of your communications. I hope you've enjoyed this one, a really practical one, a really short one, but one that can really impact the way we are seen at work, in work, and in the way we work. Thanks very much, everyone. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Sharon Pakir. You might know me on Instagram as The Empowerist. Please come on Instagram, follow me, tag me. If you're listening to this right now, take a screenshot add it to your stories. I love knowing where my listeners are from. And I love knowing that the podcast is something that made a difference in your life. Thank you, everybody. And see you next time.